All right, welcome to a special bonus episode of the Guys with Feelings podcast. I'm your host, Jamin Yee. And I'm Gabe Rose. And today we're going to be doing something a little different. Uh, today we're going to have more of a free-flowing conversation where we're going to dive into pop culture and, and talk about things that we normally wouldn't talk about on our normal episodes. And to help us with that this week, we have a special guest. He is our resident culture expert and lawyer, Alan I. How are you doing, Alan? Good. Uh, glad to be on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, even though I don't have feelings. So <laughs> thanks for inclusive. It's true. He does not. He can't cry. Literally. Alan, I heard a rumor you don't have tears. Yeah. So I actually went to uh, the optometrist yesterday and I was super stoked when uh, she came back with the results. And apparently I have uh, abnormally low tear reservoirs, um, which means uh, I, I can't cry. <laughs> and it just confirmed what I knew all along physically. Uh, so no feeling. It, it, was, it, was, it was a good, I have paper evidence of that now. <laughs> you heard you, it here. Do you find that... Do you find that you just then actually don't want to cry or you, you start to like attempt the crying sensation happens, but just no water comes out? Uh, it's, it's more of the former. I've never oh, even yeah. had the urge to cry before. <laughs> you heard That's it here first. He, he, this man cannot cry, has no feelings. But me yeah. and Gabe, we can we got enough feelings for all three for of us. For the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> all right. So let's let's get into it. We got a lot of things to talk about today. Um First thing uh, is uh, both me and Alan are, are huge movie lovers, film nerds, um, and it's been interesting. It's been, I feel like the last month in movies has has been interesting. There's been a, a lot going on in terms of, of race, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, well, one, I mean, I think this has been a hot topic in, in the movie industry from the Oscars So White thing last year mm-hmm. um, to I think, you know, there's just been so many great movies out recently that have been dealing, uh, you know, subtly and also just very overtly with the racial issues. Um, one of which we all just saw fairly recently, which is Get Out. Yeah, Get Out by Jordan Peele from Key and Peele is his directorial debut. Um, and it came out to like rave reviews. It, it came out, Rotten Tomatoes had it as like 99%, I think, for the first week or two. Um, and it's a horror movie that, uh, you know, without giving anything away, um, is not your conventional horror movie and really explores the topic of race and more particularly like um, being black in America, you know. Um, yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, I really enjoyed it. One, uh, as just a fun movie, uh, I had a great time at the theater, as did, you know, everyone I was with, like, it was just a cool experience and, and made me remember why it's fun to go to, to movies, which I don't do as much as I, I used to. Yeah. And um, that was like, it was the perfect movie to go see in theaters, you know, it was, had some jumps, you know, it was, it was scary. Dude, it had some jumps. <laughs> was it <laughs> like, scary though? Cause I actually, I didn't think I don't like, I like horror movies, but I don't like really scary movies because I get scared easily. And I think it was just the perfect level of like excitement for me without being like too scary. Yeah. All I'll just say is I was, I was in the middle of like, there was five of us there and like the two people on my left were like holding on to each other and the two people <laughs> on the right were holding on to each other. And I was just like stuck by myself. It was very, uh, it was very forever, unfortunate. Forever alone. No one's hand to hold. It was really rough. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like, I don't know if I would ca- classify it as a classic horror movie. That's, that's how it was billed. I actually think of it like after seeing it, it's more of a Twilight Zone episode where like there's this really interesting like you're going in and something is not right. Something is not as it seems. And by the end of it, like there's like a twist and you figure out like what's actually going on. Um, but yeah, for me, it was an interesting experience. Like I there the reviews for this movie are are out of control. Like people love this movie. And so many people talk about how smartly it tackles this race race conversation. Well, can we can we talk about give a little synopsis of the movie or is yeah, that too just, spoilery? Yeah, give a little. Is that too spoilery? Yeah, give a little brief synopsis. Yeah. Okay. Uh basically um our our lead protagonist um yeah, he he basically is going away for a weekend trip with his his white girlfriend. Right. And she forgot to tell her parents that he was black. And uh, and he's really he's like a little concerned about that. And she's he's like, I, I think your parents might have an issue with this. And she comes from like a very rich upper class, like white 
background. Like liberal East Coast. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and so he's a little concerned and, and they end up going to this, you know, house that's like really far away. Um, and yeah. And then they end up have a weekend there and he notices like something just like doesn't seem right. There's a black groundskeeper and kind of like a black, like maid maid. Yeah. And, and they're acting really weird. And yeah, as the weekend goes on, things get more creepy and more strange. Um, and yeah, I mean, so when I was reading reviews for this, like everyone was praising it for how it, how it kind of dissected race in a different and very intelligent way. And when I was watching the movie, I think I was a little surprised because I was like expecting like something, I don't know, more cerebral almost like something like really like, I don't know, just saying a lot about race and maybe hitting it more on the nose. Um, and instead of when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I'm just getting a great thriller right now. Like it felt like a perfectly constructed thriller, a perfectly constructed Twilight Zone episode, which is those are that's like my favorite kind of filmmaking, those types of stories. Um, but and leaving the theater, like and after thinking about it and talking about it with the people afterwards, I kind of realized I, I think I think the movie actually. Yeah, it really does, I think, handle all this in a very like intelligent and thought provoking way. And yeah. I think it handles it in a intelligent, thought-provoking way because it's not hitting you over the exactly. head with these things. And it, it shows rather than tells in a lot of instances. Yeah, and it's using a genre like like horror and using a lot of humor to actually kind of deliver these messages, which is, I don't know, it's just fascinating. And when you think of movies that discuss race, you think of movies like Crash, or you think of movies... <laughs> Um, Alan is a notorious hater of that movie, <laughs> but, uh, you think of movies where it's like very, like the whole movie is about race and it's, it's, yeah, it's hitting it. And it's about race in a very particular way that <laughs> yeah. is just annoying. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what made Get Out so satisfying as a thriller also, because it was like inverting a lot of things and, and, you know, seeing a black protagonist, um, and also just, uh, I think I could, it helps show, I think, kind of playing off what Jamin was saying in terms of after you think about it, you're like, oh, okay, like, I get it. And I think for me, a lot of the satisfaction was, and the humor was kind of the microaggressions that were going on throughout the his, his stay in this wealthy white bubble. And like the t- type of questions, you know, the neighbors seemingly good intention would ask him and just the awkward conversations that he would have. And it, it really like, um, I, yeah, it I, felt like it was exploring racism that was more subtle, like racism. That's not like, Hey, like you're, you're a horrible person cause you're colored, but yeah. like the more like subtle insidious stuff where people treat you a little differently or like it, people are nice to you, but like, you're still other, you're right. still like something different from mm-hmm. them. Um, and, and I think they really did that in an interesting way with like kind of categorizing like liberals, like people who are like, Oh, I voted for Obama, like, you know, both terms. And I definitely related it with a lot. Like when everyone asked me what it was like to live in Boston, I always say Boston is hella racist. (laughs) And they're like, what do you mean? Like, isn't it very liberal? Like you, you know, you're in Cambridge. I was like, yes, it's, it's liberal, but it's also super white. And I think it's hard to explain sometimes you know just the vibe of a place that is like very racist but they're not like spewing obscenities at you but i think this movie captures uh some of that yeah mm. gabe as a white guy yeah. watching this movie like what was that like did you yeah feel i guess like- i guess i'm the resident white guy on uh, this episode of guys with feelings um Indeed. so yeah so first of all like so i love the movie um it was one of those movies i wish i got to see pre-hype Right, um, right. You know, like, I think it was, like, a little reminiscent of me of, like, of Brokeback Mountain, which, like, I also loved as a movie. But when I was walking out, I was like, oh, like, I wish I didn't go into this expecting, like, the greatest, deepest movie in the history of movies, which <laughs> right. is, like, what I think both of these movies in, in some ways, like, sort of got built up to be. Um, and, yeah, I, like, I love the movie. I thought um, I thought a lot of the subtleties you guys are hitting on was was right on. I also thought, like, it captured, like, the without getting into any like spoilers um the like almost like again just at a broad level like in america and like historical like american culture the sort of like the aspect of an aspect of racism that isn't often talked about like the sort of like fetishization of like black physicality right and like black bodies like i think that was 
um, that was like like explored in a really interesting, nuanced way. In a way that I feel like I, I don't often hear or see, at least from my like vantage point in in pop culture. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and and besides Get Out, like it's true. Like as I was thinking about it, like race and and movies, there's been a lot happening with that. Not just Oscars so white, but also the La La Land controversy, right? La La Land versus Moonlight. Yep, which. That I'm man, I'm really glad Moonlight won. <laughs> I thought Moonlight was great. I, so I never saw La La Land. Did you see it, Gabe? Nah. Oh man, I thought I went into La La Land thinking I was gonna love it. I'm like, oh, a movie about like m- movies. I love movies, and like, and like, oh, Ryan Gosling is so charming. You know, like this is great dance numbers, and like, I walked out of that movie like kind of hating it. And um, and one of the reasons, I mean, this wasn't overt for me, but I did notice. I was like, wow, it's so white. It's such a white movie. Like every everyone there is white and uh, I don't know. It was just, it, it, it kind of threw me off a little. I was like, Hollywood is actually like pretty diverse, you know? Um, it was almost any- like a car- It was almost like a caricature of Hollywood. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but definitely like a whitewashed caricature. Yeah. Um, and then also like recent, recent controversy, ghost in the shell just came out and, um, and yeah, it seems like there's kind of been this Asian whitewashing, theme that's been going around um for you guys explain i like i have only seen like random tweets about this like what is going on yeah so ghost in the shell is a classic manga comic and also a uh, anime movie and then series but it i I don't know when the original came out like 90s early 2000s um but it's a classic uh kind of cyberpunk uh anime movie and so they did a remake um and it it, from japan uh they did a remake starring scarlett johansson as the main character um yeah instead of an asian woman who that's mm. what the original source material had um and people yeah people were like pretty upset about that um and then also at the same around the same time like this show came out on netflix called iron fist which is it's a marvel comic book show and the story is about this like white guy basically like going to mystical Asia, like and mm. learning Kung Fu and stuff and then coming back and he's really? like, and then he's like better than, you know, the people there. Um, and people were really upset. Like, even though in the source material, like he is a white dude in like the comics, they were a lot of people online were like, this should have been an opportunity for them to cast like an Asian guy, like that kind of story. Like in the, in the 1950s, like, the East was a lot more exotic and mystical. So you had stories like that, right? Like white guy goes yeah, off the, the last samurai, land. right? Yeah. But it, people kind of felt thing. like, you know, it's a little out of touch now. And a, a great way to fix that would be to have like an Asian guy or a half Asian guy in that role, like an Asian American guy, right? Who's out of touch with his culture. And to give a little background on Iron Fist, it's the latest of the Marvel Netflix superhero shows um, in the veins of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and they're all going to join in a super team called the Defenders. Um, so what makes this a little different than I think other whitewashing uh, incidents or, or, or movies is that the original source material does have a white character. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the argument is that, well, you know, it's being true to the source material, right? It's just a TV show based on a comic book. But, you know, it's clear that the Source material is extremely problematic. It was created in the 1970s when Marvel wanted to uh, cash in on the Kung Fu craze at the time with the Shaw Brothers, Bruce Lee movies, and all that. And so they wanted to create a Kung Fu superhero. Obviously, at that time, they felt they couldn't have an Asian uh, lead character, so they had had it be a white guy. Um, And so that's kind of the background for for this discussion and, and... and yeah. argument uh, on the other side is like, well, it's just true to the source material, which I don't think is a very good argument. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about the Iron Fist thing? Like, do you think they should have replaced him with an Asian character? You know, guy? I think, I think it's, it's, I think it's much more defensible and I think, I think it's okay. I ultimately for these things, like I don't, I don't care that much about Iron Fist. Like this is not the hill I'm going to die on <laughs> and I'm not like super outraged about it, but I do think they missed a huge opportunity to tell a very interesting story that hasn't been told and isn't represented in the media a lot. And, you know, you could totally have this fish out of water story of someone stuck between cultures um, in America and also Asia with an Asian American. And I think as Jamin and I are both Asian Americans, that's definitely like identity. Asian 
American identity is a super complicated, interesting thing that isn't yeah. really explored a lot in, in media. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Like hearing you talk about that, I'm like, man, the show show would have, you know, like, I don't know if they, they had to do it. I don't know if I agree that they, they sh- you know, should have. But if they did, it would have been a great opportunity for them. I think a great opportunity for them to present themselves as a show that's like more progressive. They would have gotten more attention for it, for sure. And would, would have more substance to kind of to kind of work with something that. Like for example, Marvel did another show called Luke Cage, right. and that's that's a show about a black superhero. And the show got so many accolades because it presented a superhero story from the black experience in a way that felt very like authentic, and and that's what made it feel special and different. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's this all all these controversies are are kind of interesting to me. I mean, what what's your take on on the Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell? Um. Well, I didn't watch it um, consciously, and I'm kind of happy that it didn't do very well financially. It did very poorly. Uh, same with Iron Fist; like, everyone, it it's gotten terrible reviews. Get Out is like one of the highest grossing, yeah, uh, movies. I don't I don't know the the metrics of it, but like, it, it, I think it it's very satisfying to me that you know not only like. I feel morally correct in this, but just like financially, it shows that like you can make these movies and be financially su- uh, successful. Um, right. But ultimately, yeah, I think this kind of ties into another topic that's been on my mind is like the way I follow things on Twitter or look at things on social media, um, just this outrage culture and the the press that, you know, this Ghost in the Shell and Iron Fist has been getting like the meta narrative or critique, which I think is fair. Um, it is almost, it's not out of control, but it's definitely bordering like the clickbaity titles that are just like garnering outrage and that people are sharing on the left and that I generally agree with. It's, it's been kind of annoying to me actually, even though like I generally agree with the sentiments. Yeah. It can be a little, a little too much. Um, I will say like, that is one thing about all of this that, um, that in some way I do appreciate. Like, I think I'm the same way with you where like just general outrage on the internet kind of pisses me off. Like, uh, but, um, one thing that's cool for me is like, I'm actually seeing people for the first time in the media, like pay attention to the fact that like Asian Americans like should be in movies more and like deserve to have a voice. And like, for years and years, that's never been part of the conversation. You'll have people get upset if a black character is replaced or something. But uh, it, I feel like this is relatively new for Asian things. So like as just a cultural barometer, like I feel like it's showing like a really interesting time right now in movies for Asian Americans where I, I think like with all this outrage, I feel like studios are actually going to start making different decisions moving forward because of this. Um, but it is also a tricky slope. Um, I'm not a huge fan of outrage. And and I know Gabe Rose, um, our co-host, is is not a fan of outrage either on the internet. I mean, just just like everyone, I you know I participate in it time and again, but um, usually not not proud of it and try to <laughs> try to dial back as much as I can. Yeah, but uh, to switch gears a little bit um, and dive a little bit into the, the world of politics, um, I know Gabe, you wrote a, a blog post recently um, with a very controversial title, but it was. Uh, what was it called again? Yeah. Well, In Defense of Pence was the title of the blog post. In um, Defense of Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like a little a little self-conscious talking about this because, like, I think in one sense, it's, like, the least important, like, political issue, right? But, like, mm-hmm. the reason I wrote about it and the reason I, I, I do think it's worth, like, talking about for a minute is, like, I, um, I do think there's, like, interesting, like, lessons and, like, and um, differences of opinion and, like, things to be learned, like, from something like this. Um, so yeah, like I think most people probably saw, um, controversy around, like it was uncovered that Mike Pence and like a vice president, Mike Pence in 2002, uh, told a newspaper that he does not, him and his wife are both evangelical Christians. And he said he does not eat, uh, like a meal with any woman alone. That's not his wife. And he won't go to events where alcohol is served. Um, if his wife is a president and like, this garnered like the predictable reaction from like, you know, sort of like progressive Twitter, um, I guess, which was like, just like, I guess what I saw at least um, was like, yeah, just intense mockery of this idea. Um, 
And I don't know, it just, it felt a little personal for me actually, because, so I have like relatives that are like, I'm very close with that I love who are Orthodox Jewish. And like, they actually observe similar rules as this. Um, and while there are aspects of like their culture and their beliefs that I really disagree with and, and don't buy into, like, I actually think some aspects of like their culture and, and the way they build their lives and their communities, including this are, are very admirable and come from like a very thoughtful, a good place, even if they're not um, ways that I would choose to live my life. So yeah, when I just saw people like just completely mocking the idea of putting up maybe really overly rigid barriers around your marriage for religious mm -hmm. reasons, like, yeah, man, it just really, it really didn't sit well with me. So it was interesting to write the post and, um, and sort of try to gently push back on, on some of that. Um, I was really surprised at like how much positive feedback I got. I was sort of ready for for, for the an negative. outrage machine to get trained on me. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I was like really hardened by people, even people that I consider like, frankly, like quote unquote, like maybe even more liberal or more progressive than I am, whatever uh -huh. that means. Like, um, like a lot of people chimed in and said like, oh, I totally agree. Or like, uh, maybe I don't agree, but like this like, caused me like, you know, I thought about it for a minute, um, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me that the issue I have with outrage, um, internet outrage is, I mean, so I feel like I feel like you're you're taking two things, like let's say your general viewpoints on something, and you can be critical of things, right? Like it's okay to have critical ideas and, and to disagree with people, but then on top of that, you're you're merging it with this like emotion that feels very kind of bullying esque, like very like you're a fucking horrible person for having these viewpoints, like what an idiot, like oh my god, can you believe this loser? Like there's there's some level of like. I don't know, like some emotional investment that feels completely unnecessary and actually I think hinders like a more interesting conversation from happening. I actually disagree with both of you. I yeah. think it's okay and we should make fun of Mike Pence <laughs> as much as possible and we should bully him. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this, Alan? <laughs> um, no, so I actually, I appreciated Gabe's post and as all things Gabe does, very thoughtful and, and well-written. Um, but I think what you were saying earlier is outright mockery. I don't know if it was necessarily outright mockery of this idea, which I think in some senses like should be critiqued, but also the fact that it was Mike Pence saying that. And you can't, I don't think you could take it out of like the context of who is saying it. And as someone who is the vice president in a position of power and also all he's done against women's rights, like, and, and take that, take that out of the conversation in and say like, Oh, well, you know, like what if uh, an Orthodox Jew said it, you know, like, would we make the same criticisms? And I don't think it's the same situation. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not the same exact situation, mm -hmm. but I don't know, man, I think, like, I think we do need to be able to consider individual ideas on their own merit and like disaggregate things a little bit. Like, like, for example, like with the, yeah, I don't think we're, want to get like super deep into this but with the whole like syria like strike controversy like mm -hmm. i saw like a lot of or like at least some dialogue online where some people on the left were defending it and then other people were just critiquing other aspects of like tr you know trump's like policies like not letting in like the muslim ban not letting in refugees which like i think i am an extremely strong critic of that also but right. like it just doesn't seem like a very useful conversation like if you're always like, no, no, we can't disaggregate anything. Everything's a package. Like you can't actually like, talk. what do you mean like, by I'm not disaggregate? Even sure. I mean, like, like, can we, t okay. So in this instance, like, can we talk about the practice of someone, um, you know, choosing to like conduct their own sort of marriage in that way separately from, you know, the fact that we disagree with other aspects of like those religious people's like viewpoints and politics. Right. Like, like there's some problematic elements of their worldview and then some elements that are either sort of like net neutral or even maybe positive and admirable. And like, can we like talk about the nuance and say like, hey, like this is problematic, but like this is like totally fine. Or actually like, I think this has a lot of merit to it as opposed to like what I saw like a lot of people on the Pence thing, like who disagreed with me were like, well, but he's horrible overall. So it doesn't matter what you're mm. saying. And I was like, he, I mean- he, that may be true. I he's one as I said, one of my least favorite politicians in America. But like, <laughs> but I don't know. I just think there's value in like, in actually, like 
viewing everything as more complex and like being able to take little pieces out and look at those pieces on their own as opposed to just always having to have well i have my end conclusion he's horrible and so there's nothing interesting in him or there's nothing like worthwhile that maybe we can look at and say like oh yeah that's good you know was that the response that you were seeing generally is that he's a horrible person because of this because the response i was seeing was more just like yo that shit's funny like that he said that like <laughs> like what a clown <laughs> yeah yeah yes so yeah i think it was i mean that the what a clown was like part of obviously what i was pushing back against right. but um but yeah, I think a lot of people who like engaged intellectually and disagreed with me um, disagreed through the lens of like, well, but he's part of this broader war on women. So you have to understand it through that lens. And like, I'm sympathetic to that viewpoint, but I, I just don't think that that's the only lens that's worth viewing it from. I don't know if it's the only lens worth viewing it from, but I think I definitely ascribe to that. And I, I don't think uh, you should decouple or disaggregate you know, his statements in terms of like who he dines with, with his broader views on, you know, women's reproduction. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty complex thing. Like I feel like just a lot of people, um, I think my, I guess my views on this are, yeah, I feel like if someone, if you kind of disagree, let's, let's say you, you hate what Mike Pence is doing with women's rights. Um, what I find online is like a lot of people just like no matter what he does, it's like people are, are not even really going going to like, I feel like give uh, like they're not able to separate anything else he does from kind of their hatred for him. And like that just becomes their kind of justification for everything. And, and to me, like it, that just is a it just makes for poor like um, conversation and, and intellectual discourse. Like it's just it's it's completely biased, I feel like. Um, but you know, um, yeah, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't dwell on this for too long because uh, we definitely we have more important things to attend to. Much more important, more <laughs> life, in fact. <laughs> more life, in fact. The new Drake uh, playlist that came out like a week or two ago. Um, yeah, this just this dropped. And uh, how would you describe it? It, it kind of has an interesting sound to it, right? Yeah, so one, he's calling it a playlist and not a mixtape or an <laughs> yeah, album, what's, but what's it's just like a 20 new songs or yeah. so, right? That yeah. he released on online streaming. Um, and it, it definitely has like an island influence. It has like a UK influence. Yeah, um, kind of a dance hall kind of influence. You hear Drake do like a little kind patois. of patois, little ting, every ting gonna be okay. Like... He switches back and forth a little <laughs> bit. He, he's not consistent. But yeah, he's he's been trying to say ting. Uh, people have been clowning. And so that that's another thing where I don't know if it's problematic or not. But, you know, it, it's fun. I, I, I really enjoy this this yeah. new album. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it, it's been a fun album. It's And what's been fun about it is like I've been getting to enjoy it with like both you guys. Like I think so we were all roommates in college and we've been friends for a long time. Um, and I think hip hop was always like, like a, a uniting force. It was something that we all enjoyed together. Um, a lot of our college memories and often great. best enjoyed together. Yeah. And, uh, and it's been fun. Like this new mixtape drop and we're like all this, oh, sorry, playlist dropped. We've all been listening to, to it together and it, um, and it's been fun. Like, you know, he's got, he's got his typical like Drake soft songs that all the ladies are going to be all over this summer. And then he's got, he's got some of his quote unquote hard Drake songs, um, and uh, yeah, we've been we've been like texting back and forth, like our favorite like funny lines. Also, clowning Drake a little bit, like ah, this, yeah, this Drake just out Drake himself. That. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been it's been really yeah, it's been really fun. And it, yeah, as you're saying, like the communal experience of listening to music together uh, or just appreciating songs together has been really fun. Which I guess it doesn't ha happen that much in this kind of streaming music culture. We yeah. Had. And this was kind of like a event album, like when Beyonce surprise right. dropped hers, it was like one of those things. Um, and everyone's listening to the same thing at the same time. And everyone's talking about it and tweeting memes. And 
Yeah, it's fun to be part of the conversation like that. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was an awesome moment when we have a we have a group chat going on, and we all just like texted each other like Galchester is hot right now. Yeah, there's one song digging the same song, and it made me so happy <laughs> to know that you guys were also vibing to that song. Tied on my ribs, like I do not know what permanent is. So <laughs> I love <good>. that line. <laughs> yeah, man, I feel like I feel like this is like a. Like if I'm being honest, like a B B minus like album playlist, whatever right. for me, like I, yeah, I sort of like like dig and enjoy it, listen to it a few times, but like right. I probably won't like be pulled back to it very often. But yeah, man, I definitely definitely agree on the the communal piece. That's like a fun. Um, yeah, that's like honestly what makes Drake fun for me is that you guys really like Drake, and more specifically, <laughs> Alan really likes Drake. <laughs> but he also clowns on Drake at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's a love clown relationship. Yeah, you know, I make fun of Mike Pence. I make fun of Drake. Anyone can get no, it. Nobody is safe. Equal yeah. opportunity, <laughs> clowner. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's like I was thinking, like as I was like listening to this, like hip hop is is interesting. I, I definitely feel like with hip hop. More than maybe other genres of music, the communal listening experience is like a huge part of it. Like there's so many hip hop songs that the first time I listen to on my own, I'm like, uh, this sounds kind of boring. There's not much going on to it. And then when I hear it with a bunch of friends and, and everyone's like geeking out to it and like laughing at lines and like it, 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 it gains like this whole new appreciation for me. And then I actually, then I actually really enjoy it. Like when it comes on again, I can feel myself like vibing to it and like, yeah, it's it's such an interesting kind of phenomenon. Yeah, like I mean, a lot of these songs are meant to be club songs or right. meant to be danced and jumped around to, and that's part of the fun. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I remember when I was listening to this album at my house. I live in an intentional community with like a bunch of people, and and there's a few people who are like, Man, I don't understand how how you can like like hip hop like this. And I was like, What do you mean? And they're like, oh, It just sounds so like. Like there's no melody, there's like nothing like like fun going on to it, like it's so droning. And and I could totally see what they're saying. I was like, yeah, you know, like I get what you're saying. And at the same time, like I it's it's like hard to explain. Like there's something about me that like that could that really digs it. Um and it's just, I don't know, it just made me think it's like really interesting, like with genres of music, like I feel like this is probably true of any genre of music that someone really loves. You know, I I mean I'm trying to think of an example like country music. I do not vibe with at all. But there's probably someone out there who's like, oh, no, 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 you don't get it. Like, you don't get it. It's There's this vibe. There's something about it. And like they're they're tuning into a wavelength with it that like I just can't understand um, possibly for cultural reasons, possibly just because, you know, who knows. But yeah, it's like it's it's kind of an interesting thing. It's almost like a when there's like a distance from it, like with anything, like with a person, with a genre of music, whatever, like when it's like when you're not like sort of like close to it, it can just seem like it's easy to see like, uh, yeah, like the sort of just like surface level pieces of it. But mm. when when something's like more a part of like your culture and your life in a meaningful way, um, something that seems like very simplistic and boring and surface level, like whatever opera to me, right? um <laughs> right like when when you're on the inside of it it has this like and you can say it's about music about cultures whatever it just has like this richness and this nuance that that you can dive into that just like outsiders are, are never gonna see yeah yeah and i think one thing with with hip-hop especially that maybe is different from other genres of music that can be hard for outsiders to like really understand is like how vulgar it is and and you know like how the lyrics are just all yeah. about they're very misogynistic they're very materialistic um and yeah and, and that was interesting for me to think about too like mm -hmm. i'm not going to deny like those are very real problems that hip-hop has um but yeah someone asked me it's like how can you you're you know you can you're like a pretty conscious guy like you, you try to be like good and kind to people and, and to women and how can you listen to this kind of music um and i was kind of thinking about it and I think I came up with an analogy in my head that, that I'm going to test out here. But um, to me, like, so, so I think one interesting part of that is that I think hip hop is a little bit like dirty talk, like in the bedroom. Um, and where I'm going with this is like, I think with hip hop, like a lot of the, when you're listening to a song and they're saying like these vulgar things are boasting about how much money they have and all the bitches they got or whatever. And like, I feel like there it's a lot of role playing. It's a lot of like yeah. 
it's like this fun, like imaginary role you get to step into where you're like some fucking drug cartel boss or some, you know, whatever, like some head honcho. You're, you're almost like a bad guy. And there's something about it that is like, it's like a fun role playing kind of thing. Um, and I think, you know, like not super unlike like dirty talking in the bedroom, you know, like when you're, you're saying all these things to someone that you love that, uh, you know, taken out of context would be very like rude or misogynistic or whatever. But like, if it's done with this idea that, you know, that you're kind of role playing and that, that you're not actually going to view this person in, in this light, you know, I think, I don't know. I think, I, I think kind of changes things a little bit. I think that might save you as a listener, maybe, <laughs> but I, I highly doubt that the artists who are making the music have those intentions. Uh, wait, so wait, Alan, wasn't there, do you remember, like, uh, was it Killer Mike or Big Mike? Someone wrote an Be amicus brief to the Supreme Court case, like, on this subject, right? Do you, do you remember uh, what I'm I don't talking remember, about? I don't remember this. Was it when someone was posting, uh, like, rap lyrics on Facebook and they were trying to yeah, say they that got, like, a Yeah, they got expelled from their school, yeah. And like um, that was the that was the crux of his amicus brief was like this is it was I think more or less what Jamie was saying is like this is never meant to be taken literally this is like play acting this is like more no, I, more analogous to like a movie you know yeah no I see that I see that a lot of it is fantasy like Rick Ross isn't actually a drug dealer right he was a corrections officer but I think what is problematic is the intention of the fantasy right it's not the wish fulfillment is on the pretenses of, you know, like putting down women and kind of the, the, all the things that we've been talking about. And I just, I don't really have a response to that. Right. Like I'm aware of it, but I still, you know, turn off my See, brain and enjoy right. it, I guess. And, and I do want to say like it, like, so yeah, I guess as a listener, like maybe to save my own skin, like I feel comfortable, like being able to listen to this music and like, and not actually adopt these beliefs and like, and to listen to it. And if I'm rapping along with it, almost like play a character, but know that it's a, this imaginary character that I can step away from. Um, and I, and, and that feels good to me. Um, but I think a problem is that's not the case with everyone. I right. think there's a lot yeah. of, especially young people, right? Like kids or something who are listening to this music and like, and actually glorify this and like think, oh, this is the way like I got, I have to be like, this is how you're cool. I mean, I probably thought that like <laughs> as recent as, you, you know, still think, yeah, <laughs> I still, I, let's not kid ourselves. Wait, I still is think it, that. is it different from violent video games? Like, I feel like this is the same violent video game debate, right? Uh, similar, very similar. Like, yeah. And it, it is similar to that, that idea that like violence in video games, like impressionable kids are, are going to end up normalizing that. And then, committing those kinds of acts, um, which I feel like I don't, I don't have hard evidence to back this up, but I feel like studies have come out like disproving that and actually showing that video games in a weird way have been like cathartic, like that you could by playing violent video games, like there's actually this way that you're like letting out these violent urges in like the safe contained way, instead of like actually having that build up like in the real world. Uh, don't mm. quote me on that, but, um, I, I think there, I think there could be something to that. Um, but yeah, I think with with rap, like it's it definitely is problematic. Um, but I, I think that you can listen to this um, and in, and and actually legit truly enjoy it without being a misogynistic asshole. You know, well, that yeah. that I think is is definitely. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> I hope all three true. of us. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's like are you are you creating problems in the world when you listen to it? Is the question, and I think like the answer is probably on on some level yes, but I'm not sure it's more yes than like playing violent video games, which I guess maybe I feel the same way about the two. Like at first glance, which is like yeah, like there's elements that I'm not really comfortable with, and like I think has some downsides, but like. I don't know. It's like, I don't know that like the world would be a better place if it like on both those genres, if they just like didn't exist, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I think we don't give enough credit to kids or just people in general and able in, in making those like distinctions in their mind between fantasy, you know, this is fantasy and like, this is art versus right. like, you know, this is what is real and what's happening. Right. Right. And, and, you know, and it would be, it would be helpful if we actually had more, more hip hop and more voices that, and you know, we're actually seeing that, but that are not playing into those, you know, stereotypes and, and into those, like those ideas. Um, and you're seeing more of it, you know, I would say artists like J Cole. I hate, I hate conscious rap though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a super huge fan of conscious Wait, as, rap a, as a principal or like- <laughs> no, as executed generally. Like I feel like J yeah. Cole's 
like I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this, I think, but I feel <laughs> like it. J. Cole's super Well, corny. to get a lot of hate, we'd have to have a lot of people listening, so yeah, don't worry, you'll be okay. But yeah, I feel like J. Cole's kind of corny. Well, like, I, I think a lot of conscious rap is kind of corny because it, it feels like it's trying hard and it's not really approaching it in a very interesting or, or um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, it's not interesting. To well, me. That, that's the crux of the problem with, with rap. Like, rap is so steeped in like, ha- like being cool. And like, and and I think and it swag. is, yeah. And it and it's a funny thing where like, I guess it's not it's not a very cool thing to like <laughs> be talking about conscious stuff. No, I mean like, I think it can be cool. I and think it's I think, hard to pull off. Yeah, though. no, exactly. It's much harder to pull off, which is why I think a lot of conscious rap is bad. Not because the subject matter of what they're talking about or they're bad rappers, but it is harder to pull off. And I just think most of it is generally not good and there are there are a few good songs right um but it, it's just harder to make good fun but, music but yeah but this i feel like this goes back to my original point of like isn't it interesting that that the rapper being cool is so so key to like people actually enjoying the music and enjoying the songs like mm. i feel like that goes back to the idea like why does that matter where other genres you know you can have people crying about their feelings or whatever and like you know, like not that's not going to affect like how much people enjoy the music. Why does it matter so much in rap? And again, I think to go back to the thing of like, I think so much of rap is role playing, and so much of it is role playing as as like this character that's 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 I don't know. It's almost like letting out like your your deviant impulses or something in this imaginary character, like getting to walk into a club and you're you're singing a line and you're like, yeah, like I've, I'm fucking the shit, like, and you get to play that character in your mind or something. I don't know. And like, it's interesting. And maybe like serves like a cultural function. Like we just need one genre that like does that. <laughs> hip hop is saving the world. <laughs> just you one genre in the world swag. <laughs> like, and if it wasn't hip hop, it would be something else. Like you could make, I don't know if I believe that argument, but like that, that's, I like hadn't thought about that way until, yeah. until now. So, something for us all to chew on, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. And now, Let's let's do a little awkward transition into our next topic. Um, so we've been listening to a lot of hip hop. We've also been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, specifically Gabe Rose. What's been on your playlist? Oh man, so uh, so uh, I've been getting into S Town, which I just learned has you know is apparently like the most hype podcast right now. I'm, yeah, I'm so almost done. Alan, Alan, you finished it, right? I did. So this is the new podcast from the creators of Serial. And um, and yeah, I think it's a six-episode podcast. And supposedly it's the fastest downloaded podcast ever, even sur- far surpassing Serial. And, um, and a lot of people have been raving about it, saying it, it's, it's amazing. Yep. What do yeah, you think I- so far? I, so I, you know, I have like one, I'm almost done with chapter six. So I basically have one episode left. I feel like I give it like a BB plus, like it's definitely worth a listen. Like, I think a lot of it's going to depend for me how it ends. Um, but I think it's like, I think that to the extent there's like crazy hype, I think it's, it's a little overdone. Um, and people just like fall for like the format of how this American life tells stories, which is really amazing and compelling. I mean, they're so good at what they do, but. I don't think like the story as itself, even as well as they tell it, is like amazing. Um, I don't know. What did, what did you think? Well, I've actually I don't listen to podcasts that much. I've never listened to This American Life before. This is my first one. I didn't listen to Serial, so I have no point of reference. Uh, interesting. Um, and so yeah, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I didn't know it was as hyped as as Jamin just said. Yeah. Well, I mean. They got you to listen to it. Yeah. And you never listened to it. Yeah. That, that, that is true. Well, I was, someone else made me listen to it when we were commuting together. Um, and I just kind of got hooked and, and finished. So, yeah, it was like definitely captivating, fascinating story. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, well, one, I, it's hard for me to review this without just like, I don't yeah, really I, like giving it away. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to give spoilers. And also, yeah. I just, I, I actually like, I hate to admit it. Um, I don't really like podcasts that much. <laughs> oh, um, really? Yeah. Like, I, Controversial, I, Alan. Yeah. Boy. No, I mean, this one notwithstanding, I I just don't, like, when I drive to work, I don't listen to, I listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. And, like, it, I just, I don't really enjoy listening to, to things. Man, I have the opposite problem as you. I, yeah. I feel like I listen to too much podcasts and, like, I, I want to listen to more music, like, when I'm when I'm driving and stuff, but, like, I'm just like addicted to podcasts. Hmm. Yep. 
Yep, I'm definitely in the jamming category. How? <laughs> oh, that's so interesting, man. I don't think I've ever met anyone that does just like, nope, don't like them. Don't really? want to listen to people. You've never met anyone shit. that doesn't like podcasts or doesn't listen to podcasts. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that before this exact moment in time. Really? I didn't even know that that's how you, I knew you listen to music and said podcasts, but I literally didn't know you had that like clear of an opinion. Yeah, no, I think I recently formented this, uh, formed this opinion after uh, S Town. Well, because yeah, I mean, like I've, I've tried. No, I feel like podcasts. I've tried. You know, it was like okay, First this podcast month. thing. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try it. Like I'm gonna listen to some, and I, I've enjoyed it, but you know. I, I just, I don't really get what the, I feel like it's like a fucking pretentious thing to listen to the <laughs> podcast, man. Pretentious to listen, is it like radio pretentious? I don't get it. Like Yeah, yeah, radio? it's like, why would you NPR? listen to this like old medium that is like dead? Like, and oh, like- man. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll use that to give a, so this is something we listened to a while ago. I think, Jamie, you've listened to it too, Homecoming. Yeah, um, from Gimlet. Alan, Alan listened to Homecoming too. I think I, I like that. Oh, one. you did? <laughs> yeah, but I like yeah, Catherine very... Keener's voice a lot mainly. So, so Home- Homecoming is produced by Gimlet Media, and they're like kind of like the big dogs in like podcast production. Um, and yeah, it's actually like a I think it's a six episode uh, fictional narrative. So it's actually like a radio. It's kind of like a radio story with all these characters and sound effects and everything. Um, and it's pretty cool. And it has got huge actors in it, like Oscar Isaacs, Catherine Keener, David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer, um, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I, I really dug it. I enjoyed yeah. it. I feel like that gave me, like, for some reason, the fictional and, like, the really well-produced, like, fictional frame gave me, like, a whole new way to appreciate, like, audio as a medium mm-hmm. um, to push back against Alan's general anti-audio. <laughs> philosophy (laughs) well it's weird it just like what do you do when you listen to it like you just like sit in one spot like i don't if you weren't commuting how would how would you ever listen to a podcast like you're just washing dishes what do you do while you wash the dishes you just sit there and wash dishes when you're walking i I don't wash dishes bro oh man well that's yeah that's the problem so what's happening right now is like our two listeners are like, well, you know, he has a point. I'm going to stop listening to this shit. <laughs> Alan, you've decimated our listenership. God, this last time we have he, you he on. He makes a good point. <laughs> he makes, wow, he's a really convincing. He really is a culture expert. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give this podcast thing like, you know, I'm going to try it some more. Yeah. Yeah. You don't mind being on the other side of the mic, but just listening to it. <laughs> Um, so, so I, the other like really interesting random podcast experience I had recently was I listened to a, a Joe Rogan episode for the first time. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm interested to hear about that. I, I know that Joe Rogan is like, <laughs> how do I, how do I describe it? I feel like he's like a lot of bros, like introduction to spirituality and like, <laughs> like kind of out there concepts, like all these people who are like really into UFC end up listening to the joe rogan podcast and then they're like oh yeah ayahuasca like dmt i should try that like and like it's it's really funny and i and i don't know i'm not a huge fan of him and his bro vibe but i think he's playing like a necessary part in like introducing people bridging to, bridging different worlds bridging yeah. worlds <laughs> yeah so what'd you think gabe uh it was interesting i mean it was definitely like uh i don't know if like triggering is quite the right word but <laughs> like large elements of it that did not resonate with me um but like yeah i definitely see i definitely see i was just like curious i was like okay i should just try this once and see what i think and like it was definitely interesting how he i mean i only listened to one but how he sort of bridges the like sort of like guys without feelings and guys with feelings <laughs> guys with some feelings Worlds, guys and guys, guys with, with fists. alternating guys with feelings yeah Guys with feelings, but who like you know are like much harder than us. Um, punch you in the face. <laughs> punch, yeah. <laughs> um, and the actual episode is really interesting. So I asked, um, so Sina, my brother-in-law, I, he like uh, does jujitsu and is like uh, like he was like a huge Joe Rogan fan. So I think he's at least a medium Joe Rogan fan. So um, he, um, I asked him what like the best starter episode would be. So he recommended the one with Arian Foster. I think is how you say his name. Um, the former running back. Um, the NFL running back who like retired recently. Yep. Um, and yeah, man, I actually got a lot out of the episode, even though like a th- I'd say like a third of everything I listened to was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, why are you still talking about this? Like, this is ridiculous. Um, Joe Rogan sort of was just like a weird interviewer, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it was cool. Like I, th- they actually like, wound up getting pretty deep on like a lot of like life stuff and like views on the NFL. And I'd say like, I had like several like opinions changed 
like during the course of the episode, which is pretty valuable. So yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience. Will you be going back to the Rogan podcast? Uh, probably, probably like maybe once a year, I'll like ask (laughs) Cena again, like what, like the best Joe Rogan episode of the last year is and, and just check it out of curiosity. Yeah. Well, well, you know, when you get more into MMA and start doing jujitsu and wearing afflicted tees and yeah, it'll be the podcast for you. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably not in my future. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, yeah, like, and I I guess just to, to give you guys an idea of what to expect for our next bonus episode, um, both me and Alan have been experimenting with some biohacking yep. recently. What what are what have you just started, Alan? So I just started Qualia, uh, which is a s- supplement regime. I guess I don't know how to. Yeah, it's really... a neuro um, nootropic. Nootropic like brain yeah, brain so... drug. It's supposed to and we know a lot of people. Actually, one of our good friends is dating the founder of the company. Um, this is not a paid, this is not a paid segment. Um, but like, yeah, the hype for the, the, the supplement is like kind of unreal and people claim that it's like made them like a thousand times more productive and happier. Yeah, and this is, all, this is over the counter. It's not like any prescription drug, yeah. just to backtrack it's like a little natural bit. ingredients. Um, Statements you know, have what, not been evaluated by the FDA. <laughs> it has not, uh, um, and yeah, I mean, like one of the things, like it has caffeine in it. Yeah. It just has a lot of different nootropics, uh, but it's been very well researched and like the combinations and the dosage have been, uh, very well researched and, you know, studies have been done on a lot of the individual components. Um, so I've been doing it for a week now, um, and we'll report back. Yeah. Uh, usually I think they say it takes a few weeks for it to really kick in. So, so next month we'll get a report from Alan about that. And I have been, I just purchased a $500 sleep device <laughs> that, that, I know, I can't even believe I'm, I'm saying that out loud. It, it uses something called like PMF, I think something like pulsating electromagnetic fields or something. It sounds crazy, but I heavily researched it. It's got 30 day money back guarantee. Um, and I've met people who have actually used these kinds of devices and it's like changed their sleeping life. And I've got chronic sleep issues. So if this helps, man, I'm, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all for it. So should begin that soon. And next month we'll, we'll dive in and have another bonus up with that. Um, before we leave, uh, Gabe Rose, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I guess Twitter at Gabe Rose and uh, GabeRose.com. I got my little blog going on. Awesome. Alan? I do not have an internet presence. <laughs> What's your Twitter? My my Twitter, I don't tweet, uh, is at Alan I. <laughs> Just lurk. <laughs> Just lurk. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Jamin underscore ye and my website, jaminye.com. And yeah, thanks so much for sticking with us. And uh, we'll be back next month with uh, some biohacking and some more uh, little tidbits of conversations for your ear hole. So we'll uh, see you guys next time. Take care. Bye.